Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast, brought to you, of course, by our great friends at MyBookie. If you guys have been sitting on the fence and waiting to sign up for an account at MyBookie. Now is the time, guys. It's now or never. The bowl season starts this weekend, so there's still money to be made this college football season, but you got to jump in on it now while you still can. we got our promo code UGA still going. Just go to MyBookie.ag for a couple more weeks. You can use our code UGA, and all new users will get a 50% bonus on that first deposit, so take advantage of it while you can and sign up today at MyBookie.ag. All right, guys. I am your host, Tyler. And Curtis was supposed to be here with me today. That was the plan. But the last second, literally right as he was leaving work, apparently just texted me. His boss came into his office and was like, hey, man, we've got a big case going on. We need you to, to stick around a little bit later tonight. So he's not going to be able to jump on. I would have waited for him and maybe done this tomorrow, but we didn't do an episode on Sunday. So we want to make sure to get this out to you. And we have some very big news to discuss that we just simply could not wait to talk about. This is a mailbag episode. And we had a ton of questions to get through. There actually were quite a few questions that I did not get a chance to cover on last week's mailbag because I had to get to the Georgia-Georgia Tech basketball game. I had to cut a little bit short, and I felt bad about that. So I wanted to make sure to cover all those questions that I did not get a chance to talk about. So we got a couple of those, and we had a few more that were sitting in over the past week or so. But those are all going to take a backseat. We'll get to those, at least as many of them as I can, because we have... I don't. It's not breaking news yet because nothing has technically happened. But there are strong rumors out there. I mean, guys, this hit like literally as soon as I was about to fire up the mic. So I don't have all the details. Let me say that here at the outset. I do not have all the details. I don't have all the answers. I've got a ton of text out, DMs out to people that I know that would know, that are in the know with these kind of things. I have not heard back. If I do and when I do, I will let you know. If that happens during the show, I'll let you guys know. If it happens later in the week, I will fill you guys in on the episodes that we record later this week or maybe even on social media. But right now, I simply don't have the answers. And if you're wondering, what in the world are you talking about? I think by the time you listen to this episode, you're probably going to be well aware that there are a lot of rumors out there, a lot of smoke that quarterback Dylan Riola is potentially in line to flip his commitment from Georgia to Nebraska, which is wild on so many different levels. I've got some thoughts. Again, I have 
very few answers. I have thoughts, I have speculation, and that's all I can give you right now, but I'm gonna give you that because when news like this, well, again, is it news? I don't think it's not news yet, but when reports like this break and you run a Georgia podcast, you simply cannot ignore it whether anything has actually happened or not, whether it's just rumors or not. It's it's too out there to just ignore. So we're gonna talk about it and we're gonna go in depth with this and look at this from a number of different angles. And if you're wondering like, okay, well, how how real are these rumors? Well, if you guys know who Steve Wiltfong is, who is the director of recruiting for 247 Sports, right now, the smoke around this potential flip to Nebraska for Iola is serious enough to get Wiltfong to flip his crystal ball prediction from Georgia to Nebraska, from the school he's currently committed to, to a totally different school. And if you guys don't think about Steve Wiltfong, he's pretty judicious with those crystal ball predictions. He's not 100% accurate, like nobody's out there is 100%, but he's pretty damn good with it. So when he's out there not just talking about it, but straight up flipping his crystal ball prediction from Georgia to Nebraska, that carries some weight with me. That puts credibility behind these rumors. I think these are real. Now, does it mean that it's a done deal he's going to Nebraska? No, our coaching staff still has a shot to, to keep him here in Athens, so nothing's done right now. But with Wilt Fong and some other credible sources out there saying that there are serious legs to this, that lends a lot of credibility to it. So we got to talk about it. And the first question I think comes to mind is, why? In fact, our good friend Sam, when he DM'd me earlier, his question, he sent me the, the, the tweet and it says, why? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah, Sam, I think that's what everyone is thinking right now. You're exactly right. So let's talk about the why. Again, if, big if, this does happen. Like what is going through Dylan Riola's mind right now? Well, let's go back to last spring-ish when he decommitted from Ohio State. When he initially decommitted from Ohio State, for a little while there, Nebraska was seen as the front runner. Now, you might be asking, why in the hell would Nebraska be a front runner for who was at the time the number one quarterback in the country? He is not the number one quarterback right now, at least according to the, the on three industry rankings right now, but he's still a highly rated guy, top 15 caliber type guy and, and a five-star prospect, big-time player, number two in the Elite 11 rankings, all that, big-time guy. But why would this guy be considering Nebraska? So it's Georgia, Nebraska? One of these is not like the other, right? Well, when it comes down to it, it's connections. It's family connections. His dad played at at Nebraska, played the NFL for a long time uh, with Matthew Stafford. Actually, he was his center. And his uncle is still on staff at Nebraska. Those family connections are tough to pass up. Now, you can pass those family connections up when you're going to do so in favor of a school like Georgia, who at the time was a two-time NFL national champion, was number one all year long, and is gonna is in is poised to continue to compete for national championships on a year-in, year-out basis, while Nebraska has been down for what, like 20 years now? So it makes sense while he would pass up the family ties to come to Georgia in the first place. But the question now becomes, why now? Okay, so I get why he was considering Nebraska in the first place, but now you've been committed to Georgia for about for over six months now, your entire family packed up and moved from Arizona across the country to the state of Georgia for you to play at Buford High School for your senior year. So you could be about 45 minutes from Georgia's campus and you could be on campus, be in Athens anytime you want to, visit with the coaches, visit with the team, go through the playbook with Mike Bobo, all those things. Your entire family packs up and moves cross country to the state of Georgia because that's where you're going to college. So what in the world has happened? Because to me, and I, I said this through the summer, when the news broke that he was going to Buford, to me, that took away any possibility that this guy was going to flip anywhere because it, it would be unprecedented essentially for your entire family to pack up and move across country to the state of the school you're going to. So you can be close to that school. And then at the last second, a couple of weeks before signing day, 
when you're supposed to enroll early at that school at Georgia, you flip to another school that's in a totally different part of the country. That defies logic. It's, it's almost irrational. So why now? Here's what I think, guys. Here's my speculation. I told you guys last week that Carson Beck is almost certainly coming back to Georgia for a second year as a starter. And this week, I feel even sh more strongly about that prediction. In fact, I would go as far as saying right now, I would be surprised if Carson Beck does not come back to Georgia next year. I wish he would go ahead and publicly make that announcement, but you know, he hasn't, whatever. I can tell you for sure he's practicing with the team right now. We started bowl practice and he's out there practicing right now. And I, I have on pretty good authority he will be back next year. Let's just say that. And I personally, sitting here right now, and I've had about 10 minutes to digest this news, okay? Just full disclosure here. But my first thought, and I'm sitting here trying to rack my brain before I actually fired the mic up, like, what is happening? Why? Trying to answer Sam's question, thinking through it myself. And the first thing I thought of was Carson Beck. To me, this is even more evidence, even more of an indication that Carson Beck is indeed coming back next year. Because here's my thought process, guys. I think the Riola family was looking at our quarterback situation. And they were saying, okay, Carson Beck has been at Georgia waiting in the wings for three years. This is his fourth year at Georgia, which means this NFL clock is ticking. And if Carson Beck has the year that our coaches thought he was going to have and that Ryola's family maybe thought he was going to have and if our team was as good as we were going to be and we were, it stood to reason that Carson Beck would probably be a, a one-and-done guy as a starter at Georgia and he was going to go off the NFL which would then create a situation for Dylan coming into Athens where there was no incumbent starter. Yes, Gunnar Stockton, yes, Brock Vinegar had been around longer and they've been in the system, but none of them had any more experience than Dylan Raiola did. So that position would be wide open for him to potentially earn the job as a true freshman. And when you are a guy as talented as Dylan Raiola is and as highly valued, highly rated as he is, the thought process is for those kind of guys, I'm telling you guys, for those caliber of quarterbacks, the thought process is I'm three and done. I'm three and out. I'm going to get to the NFL. And if you can start as a true freshman at whatever school you go to, it certainly enhances the chances that you will indeed be able to make the jump to the NFL after your third year. There's more film, you have more experience, all of those things. So I think one of the reasons we were able to get Riola over Nebraska back in the spring and over able to overcome those family connections, which are strong, guys. They are very strong. One of the reasons that we were able to overcome that, I think maybe the biggest reason we were able to overcome that is because the family thought there was a really good chance that Carson Beck was going to be a one-and-done guy and off the NFL after his fourth year in the program. And that opportunity to compete for the job as a true freshman at a school of the caliber of Georgia that competes for national championships with all the talent we would have around him, the offensive line, the skill talent, running backs, receivers, all of that, tight ends, all of those things, that was enough to overcome that pull of the family connection to Nebraska. But now if, and it's still an if, I feel strong that Carson will be back, but still an if, but if the family has some indication and has been told by the staff that Carson Beck is actually coming back next year, all of a sudden, that factor that gave us an edge over Nebraska when he was making that commitment back in the spring after decommitted from Ohio State, it no longer exists. That opportunity to start as a true freshman is no longer possible at Georgia. It doesn't exist anymore. And at Nebraska, he absolutely has a shot to start as a true freshman, more so than he would at Georgia if Carson Beck does indeed come back, which again, I think that he will. And look, as a lot of you have pointed out in the DMs you've sent me, 
Kyle McCord, the transfer from Ohio State, is rumored, strongly rumored, to be going to Nebraska. So you might say, well, Tyler, that doesn't seem to make sense. So, I mean, either he's going to have to sit behind Carson Beck or sit behind Kyle McCord. Well, guys, there's no guarantee that he would have to sit behind Kyle McCord. That's not an incumbent starter. Yeah, he started Ohio State, but he's leaving Ohio State because he wasn't good enough there. I mean, that's the reality, guys. He wasn't good enough. So he has more of a chance to beat out Kyle McCord, who was not at Nebraska last year. He's going to learn an entirely new playbook. They're going to be on the same level in terms of learning this playbook. Yes, Kyle McCord has more college experience. That is true, but it's a different scenario. It's not apples to apples. Carson Beck is an incumbent starter who we desperately want back next year, and he's hands down going to be the starter. There's no competition next year. Like, there's no competing for that job. Carson Beck is the guy. He will at least have the opportunity to compete for the starting job with Kyle McCord at Nebraska if he does indeed go there and if Kyle McCord does go to Nebraska. Maybe he won't, but that seems to be the rumor right now. So if you're wondering why, that those are my thoughts. That's my thought process on why. Again, I had 10 minutes to digest this and think about it, but that's where my mind is right now. Because otherwise, how in the hell do you explain it? How? Again, your entire family packs up, moves across the country to Georgia to Buford High School, 45 minutes from campus, so you can be as close to Georgia to, to Athens as you possibly can and still like, compete for state titles and, and get really high-level coaching. And as recently as, well, like four days ago, he was on social media trying to convince his teammate, KJ Bolden, publicly to come to Georgia. You know the move, man. Come to Georgia. Come join me. He was doing like four days ago, guys. That doesn't sound like a kid that's going to flip to Nebraska. So what happened between now and like four days ago when he was doing all these things on social media? I think that our coaching staff informed the family that Carson Beck is coming back next year. And that changed the dynamic of this decision for the Riola family. Now, you can sit here and say that NIL had, had something to do with this. And maybe it did. I can't tell you it didn't. I, I do think that our NIL approach needs some reevaluating. I think that we are losing out on too many guys that we need and that could really help us win national titles because of NIL. And I know that Kirby's approach is, hey, man, like we don't want guys that NIL is driving force because it's about culture. We want guys that want to be here, want to compete, and want to and want to develop and, and want to become the best player they can be, all those things. And I get that, and I value that. I appreciate that. I think our culture is second to none in the country. I think it's one of the reasons why we have been so dominant over the last three years and why we won 29 straight games, went undefeated three consecutive years in the regular season. I think it's a huge factor behind why. But you know what else helps? Players, talent. That helps too. Culture's great, man. But there are a lot of programs out there that have really good culture and they are consistent winners, but they never compete for national titles. Why not? Because they don't have the talent to. You need a good culture, but you also need good players. Now, I know we still technically right now the number one recruiting class. We'll see what happens if Rylo does flip. Do we still keep the number one class? I don't know. We'll have to see how that plays out. But we still recruit at a very high level. We're still getting a lot of really good players. But when we miss out on other really good players that can help us win national titles, what happens? They go to other places, right? That's what happens. We don't get them. They go somewhere else. And those schools now are able to compete against us on a more equal footing from a talent standpoint because they have the kind of talent that we have. We're missing on some of those guys. And I do think our approach to NIL, at least for guys coming out of high school, has hurt us on that. KJ Bolden is a prime example, guys. KJ Bolden's come to Georgia. He's visited here a million and a half times. He loves Kirby. The reason he came into Florida State, I'm just telling you, he got a massive deal, NIL deal that he simply could not turn down. And I'm not saying that as sour grapes. I'm not saying Florida State did anything wrong. They didn't. It's totally legal. It's totally legal. And that's my frustration is like, it's we can sit here and point fingers all we want and say, oh my God, yeah, you guys only got because you paid money. Who freaking cares? They got them. They did what they had to. Why aren't we doing those things? I think our approach to NIL, especially for some of these kids out of high school, needs to be reevaluated. I understand that Kirby wants to reserve that money for guys at the portal that have done it and proven at the college level. And I get that. And I, I respect that. But at some point, you're going to have to use it more willingly 
on some of these high school kids. It, it's going to have to be something that we do. Now, again, I don't know if that's a factor with Riola, but I do think it has to be part of the equation. I don't imagine he's in a Nebraska family connections or not without a significant NIL deal and probably more than we're going to offer. A lot of these, typically what happens to these programs that are desperate to win, they're the ones who actually end up ponying up more for NIL because they don't have the the winning culture to sell, right? They don't have the trophy case. They don't have the development, the guys that put in the NFL to sell. So what they do, they have to pony up the money and throw it at you. And that's some of that, some of these schools like Texas A&M did, right? And maybe Nebraska is doing some of that. I don't know. I will say the Rello family is well off. His dad played in the NFL for a number of years. So I, I don't imagine I was the driving force. I think it's more of a chance to start early as a true freshman, potentially there's a better chance in Nebraska. And that along with the family connections, is I think what's driving at least the consideration here. Now, this is not a done deal. I can tell you guys right now that our staff is going to be all over this. And I'm sure, again, I don't know if I'm waiting to hear back from some people that I trust that would know these things. I haven't heard back yet. I keep checking my phone like every three seconds right now. So if I seem like I'm I'm losing my train of thought for a second, that's what's happening. I'm just checking my phone to see if I've got texts from people. But when I know, I will let you guys know, but I'll go back to what I said a few minutes ago. How else do you explain this? How else? Four days ago, four days ago, guys, this guy was publicly trying to convince his teammate at Buford to flip his commitment from Florida State to Georgia. What's changed in four days? The family connections have always been Nebraska. They've been that, that way for the past eight months since, he, since he's been committed to Georgia, however long it's been. The NIL money hasn't really changed. They've been offering NIL money from the jump. So what's changed? To me, the only logical thing I can come up with right now, I guess I'll think on this some more as, as the night goes on, but the only thing I can think of is, is Carson Beck right? That, that's what makes sense to me. Nothing else really seemed to check out to me. I think knowing what I know with Carson Beck and the likelihood of him coming back, I imagine the coaching staff was recently informed by Carson that, yeah, hey coaches, I, I am indeed coming back. And so what did they do? Of course, you go tell the commits that you have at the quarterback position, hey, I'm going to let you guys know Carson's coming back next year. And I believe that likely led the Riola family to reevaluate where things sit right now. And again, I go back to like, the, the, the fact they moved across country, it's wild to me that they would then pack up and move somewhere else as a family because that's what's going to happen. The typical family can't really make that happen, but when your dad played in the NFL for a number of years, you would imagine they are in a pretty good spot financially where they can make that happen. But it does almost defy logic. It's it's freaking borderline insane, man. It's crazy, but this is, uh, this is college football, baby. This is what it's become. This is recruiting, man. A couple more things on this, though, real quick before we move on. If this is indeed related to Carson Beck coming back, again, that's speculation on my part. That's just where my mind is right now. And if I'm right with that speculation, I think the question begs, would you rather have Carson Beck come back another year for a second year as a starter, which means you lose Dylan Riola, or would you rather have Carson Beck move on to the NFL and have Dylan Riola for at least next three years? To me, it is a no-brainer. Give me Carson Beck for another year. Now, I know you would say, well, Tyler, that's one year versus three years. Here's how I would respond to that. Carson Beck is a known quantity. We know what we have in Carson Beck. This is a guy that had to consider whether he's going to come back to Georgia or not because he's getting right now late first round draft grades. Comes back for another year. This guy could be a top 10 pick, maybe even potentially number one overall pick in the NFL draft next year if he has kind of year that I think that he is going to have next year. I think that's a very real possibility. We know who Carson Beck is. We know what this guy is capable of. We think we know who Dylan Riola is and what Dylan Riola is and what he can be. However, we do not know. You take the known quantity, especially when that known quantity is as talented and as productive as Carson Beck was for us this year, you take that 100 times out of 100. 
We think Dylan Riley is going to be good. And I'm not going to sit here and say he's not going to be good because he might be going to Nebraska. The guy's still a talented quarterback, highly rated guy. Everybody in the country wants this guy, right? That is all that's true. All that's very, very true. He had a great year for Buford. Wonderful year. Really talented football player. But we don't know how that's going to translate to the college level. The list of highly talented five-star quarterbacks that just blew up in high school and just put up insane numbers but never really panned out the college level, that list is long, guys. Now, of course, the five-star guys at quarterback do hit at a higher rate than the lower-rated guys, of course, but there are still plenty of guys that don't ever turn out to be the guy that we're supposed to be. DJ Uyunglele in recent years, right? Think about that guy. He was a big-time five-star guy coming out of high school. He's been okay, hasn't performed anywhere near the level that he was supposed to. JT Daniels, we had him here. Now, injury certainly played a role in that, but he never was a five-star guy on the field. He was out of high school. So if you're telling me I get Carson Beck for one more year, and like that's the trade-off. I get Carson Beck, but we lose to the right to Nebraska because Carson comes back. I'm taking Carson Beck because I think that we have what it takes to win the national title next year. I believe that. Now we'll see how the transfer portal plays out and all those things. I think that we have what it takes, especially if you have the guy at quarterback that you know is that guy. Compare that to potentially having a guy as a true freshman if he won the job next year. I don't know if he'd win it, but if he did win the job because Carson moves on, I would love to think that he could be that guy, but you don't know that. You don't know that. So again, if indeed this is a case of Carson Beck's coming back, coaches let the family know, and that changed the dynamic of the decision for the family, I'm okay with it. I, I would rather have Carson Beck back this year because I think that means we can win national title. I don't know if we can win national title with Dylan Riley at quarterback next year if he did end up winning that job as a true freshman. It's just hard with true freshmen, y'all. It's hard. It's rare. And the other thing to consider here is let's not forget we have, still have, right now, we'll see what happens to Riola. We have not one, but two quarterbacks in this 2024 recruiting class. Let's not forget about Ryan Pliglisi. Now, I am well aware that Dylan Riola is the high rated guy by a pretty wide margin. He's a five star guy. Depending on what service you look at, top 15 player in the country. I think on 247 Sports, he's still number two in the country. I know on three dropped him a good bit. He's like the number four quarterback on the on three rankings now. But regardless, he's rated higher than Pluglissi is. But it goes back to what I was just saying. Just because Raiola is ranked higher than Pluglissi right now, that doesn't guarantee you that he's going to be the superior player at the college level. Now, five-star guys typically do hit at a higher level, sure, but the gap between these two guys is not so great that it's impossible to think that Pluglissi could end up being better than Raiola. Here's where they are right now. The situation right now is that Raiola is more polished of a quarterback. Those are facts. That's real right now. But if you're talking about long-term ceiling, I don't know, man. I think there's an argument to make, and this is not just sour grapes as Ryola might go to Nebraska. I still think he's going to be a really good player. But I'm high on Pluglissi, man. That dude has legit arm talent. I think he's a better overall athlete than Ryola is. He's just got some catching up to do from a technical standpoint compared to, to where Ryola is right now. That's real. He's got to catch up. But if Carson does come back next year, that gives Puglisi an opportunity to sit behind him for a full year and develop and get up to speed. I think Mike Bobo is a good quarterback coach. I think he's been a really good quarterback coach wherever he's been. Regardless of what you think about him as an offensive coordinator, I think he's a good quarterbacks coach. I think there is a world, it might not be the most likely world, but I think there is a world where maybe Puglisi does end up being as good or maybe even possibly better than Raiola long-term if he can just catch up from a technical standpoint, which I believe, give him a year, I think it's possible that he could do that. And I love the kid's attitude. I mean, how many guys that would be that are lower recruited players would stick around when, at the quarterback position where only one guy can play, right? When the number one quarterback in the country commits after you've committed and the school takes this guy and they've already got you committed and you still stick around. Why? Because you want to compete. 
because you believe in yourself. That's a dude right there. That's the kind of attitude that I love. That's the kind of attitude that translates into like big time leader on your team. Now, you got to go out there and do on the field, right? That isn't the be all end all attitude. They're all good players are really good at too. They don't have the talent, but I think Pulisic has the talent. I just think he's gonna, he just needs a little bit of time to develop, but give him some time. I think that guy can be a big time player. So losing Raiola, if we indeed do lose Raiola, again, up in the air, a lot of smoke. We don't know yet, but if we lose him, I don't, I don't think it's the end of the world. And I know people are going to freak out and lose their minds right now. And we're going to have to take some, some heat from other fan base. They're going to point and laugh at us. Say, ha 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 ha. George is falling apart. You didn't make the playoff this year. You lose Raiola. But guys, here's one thing I'll leave you with on the Raiola thing. And we'll move on. Let's trust this staff. I know that there are some things that you can criticize for any staff, certainly. And I, I do think, as I said earlier, that we need to reevaluate our NIL approach when it comes to the high school ranks, especially with these highly recruited guys. I think we're missing out on too many of these guys on too much of a consistent basis. But Kirby Smart has built a freaking monster here. We went undefeated in the regular season three consecutive years, set an SEC record with 29 consecutive wins. Should be in the college playoff this year. We're not, whatever. It is what it is. Still working on getting over that one. But the man has earned your trust, has he not? Has he not, okay? And we might lose Raiola, but it's not the first guy we've lost that's a big-time recruit, and it won't be the last one. But it doesn't mean that Georgia's going anywhere. We'll be okay. I would love to have Raiola. Trust me, guys, I'd love to keep him. I really would. You want as many talented players on your roster as you can possibly get. I would love to have him and Pulisic battle it out to be the guy behind. And I also Gunnar Stockton, battle it out to see who's the last man standing when Carson Beck does indeed move on. I would love that. Competition breeds excellence, right? But if, if he does decide to go to Nebraska, we're going to be okay. Not only do we have Pulisic, not only do we have Gunnar Stockton still on the roster, who I still think has a chance to be a good quarterback, in this day and age of the transfer portal, you have an opportunity to go out and get a big-time guy in the, at the quarterback position. It's one of the positions every year in the transfer portal where you have big-time, like, game-changing type guys in that position because only one guy can play at a given school at any given time, right? Think about the guys on high-level teams this year, elite teams. Washington's going to play for college, for college football national championship, right? Which is crazy to me. I think we're better than them, but whatever. It is what it is. Not upset, right? At all. Michael Penix. Played about 19 years at Indiana. Goes to Washington. Immediately turns that entire program's fortunes around along with Kalen DeBoer coming over as the head coach. Bo Nix, going from Auburn to Oregon, became a different dude, a different player, and got Oregon back in the college football national championship, college football playoff conversation. Jordan Travis actually was a transfer. I know people don't think about that because he's been at Florida State for a couple years. He was a transfer originally. Baker Mayfield, transfer back in the day, right? Played him back in the Rose Bowl a couple years ago. There are big-time guys at the quarterback position in the portal every single year. So, it kind of, what I'm saying is it kind of cushions the blow of losing a guy like this because you have the opportunity to go out there and get a proven commodity at the quarterback position more so than you were able to in years past. And that's not me trying to put a spit on this, guys. Losing Ryola, make no mistake about it, losing Ryola would be a blow. You want a guy that talented. But all I'm saying is it's not a death blow. It's not the end of Georgia competing for national championships. I think we're in really good shape this year because I do think this is a sign that another, yeah, another sign that Carson Beck's coming back this year for another year, which again, I would take that 100 times out of 100 if you give me that choice. Carson Beck for one year or Dylan Rutherford for three years, give me Carson Beck because he's a known quantity. So there's that factor. Plus, I'm, I'm, I'm high on Ryan Pugliese. I think I can be, guy can be a good player and you always have the transfer portal. So if he does leave, I guess good luck to him. We'll be okay. But all right, guys, before we move on, I do want to remind you once again about our great friends at my bookie. It has been yet another productive college football season for me on the betting front. And if you haven't jumped on the action yet, if you haven't made your money, it's not too late. 
The bowl season is set to start here in less than a week. You guys have watched football all season long. You know who's good. You know who's not. You know who are going to win these games. So jump in on the action and make some money today for the holiday season. Go to mybookie.ag. Use our promo code UGA. You get a 50% bonus on your first deposit if you're a new user. And you have all that money to play with, guys. That's money that can go in your pocket, help you pay for some holiday gifts, or just do whatever you want with it. It's no brainer. If you've been on the fence, now is the time. Take advantage of this deal while you still can. Again, mybookie.ag. Use our promo code UGA so you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with mybookie. All right, guys, we have a lot of other questions to get to, a lot of questions that were held over from last week's mailbag episode, but once again, uh, we might not have time to get to all of them because, what, we went about 30-ish minutes or so on the Riola situation, so I'm going to try to get through as many as I possibly can. I'm going to try to go a little faster, which I know is not usually something that I'm great at, but I'm going to try this episode so I can get through as many of these questions as I can because I really appreciate you guys taking the time to interact with us and send those questions out to us. So I really try my best. I promise you, I try my best to get through all these questions at least as many of them as I can. So let's try to let's try to run through these uh, pretty quickly here today. And given where we are right now on the college football calendar with the transfer portal, the winter transfer portal window being open, it's it opened, you guys know, last Monday, the the was it the 4th of December. It's open all the way until January 2nd. So there's still plenty of time for guys to enter the portal and a lot more to go down. But we had quite a few questions that dealt with the transfer portal. We talked about this a little bit last week, but I did not get a chance to get through all the questions. So I do want to jump on a few more here. Jared asked, rank your top five portal targets. I appreciate it, Jared. That's, that's a really good question. It's tough because there's a lot of guys out there that I would like but they're not all realistic. So I'm going to kind of put my own spin on this. If that's okay, Jared, I'm going to say, here are my five most realistic portal targets. And I'm going to start at the top. The top two guys here are defensive linemen. Because I've told you guys several times over the past week or two, that is by far, no questions asked, the number one need for this team right now. That is, in my opinion, the one biggest reason, I think it was the question we got in the mailbag last week, the one biggest reason why we did not make it back to the college playoff and are not going to win the national title this year is we didn't have the guys on the defensive line. We did not, especially in the interior of the defensive line. We did not have the dudes. We had good players. We didn't have great players. We didn't have elite players like we've had in years past. And that's been a key to our defensive dominance over the past couple of years. And really, if it's key to our defensive dominance, it's been the key to our run to back-to-back national titles. So we did that largely on the back of our defense. Although the 2022 offense was, was elite, was fantastic. And we were good in 21, just not as good. We should have those guys on the defensive line this year. So that's the spot that we've got to shore up more than any other. So Walter Nolan is at the top of my list, former highly recruited five-star guy. We were in on it, on him coming out of high school. Obviously, he goes to Texas A&M. He's part of that number one recruiting class of all time that went to A&M. That's now kind of completely, not kind of, completely falling apart. I don't know how realistic he is, but I do think he's realistic enough for him to be on my list because we were heavily involved. We have that built-in relationship. And that's one of the things that Kirby's always says, like the guys that we recruit out of the portal, these are guys that we either have relationships with back when we recruited them coming out of high school or guys that we trust, coaches that we trust, have relationships with them and can kind of vouch for them. We have a relationship with this guy. We know who he is. So I, I think that we would certainly be interested. Now that goes for just about every other team in the country. So that's why I don't know how realistic it is. And with NIL, that's, the, again, going back to what I was saying earlier, like we we are not the biggest spinner when it comes to NIL. Now we do te- seem to spend more on proving guys out of the portal than we are on high school guys. So there is that, but I don't know if we're going to be able to match or be willing, really, I don't know if it's able, but willing slash able to match the going rate for Nolan, what he's going to be able to get on the open market. 
So I think that, and I don't know how much that's going to drive his decision, but it drove his decision largely the first time around. So it would stand to reason. It would probably be a major factor, maybe the most significant factor this time around too. But with our need at that position, along with our history of putting guys, not just in the draft, but in the first round, the NFL, NFL draft at that position, developing those guys into big time players. And the fact that we play for titles, all of those things, I think it's realistic enough to put him on the list. I think we have a shot there. Now, he hasn't visited Athens yet. He's visited, I think he visited Oregon last week. So he's visiting places. Hopefully, we can get him on campus. I don't know. Until we get him on campus, I don't think we have a shot, but we still have time for that to happen. So I'll put him at the top of my list. I think he's a game changer in the defensive line. The number two guy is a guy that we have had on campus this past weekend, Xavier McLeod, who is a transfer from South Carolina. He was a top, a fringe top 100 guy at a high school last year. We were in on it with him, so it's a guy that we have a relationship with. He elected to go to South Carolina. He's a South Carolina guy. He goes to the home state school, and it did not work out for him this year. In fact, now I will say that my my big my one concern with McLeod, like from a talent standpoint, bring him on, baby. Let's go. You're absolutely a take. The concern though is that he was dismissed from the Carolina program this season. Now, I have done some digging on this and asked around. I don't have definitive answers. I, I, I don't. But here's what I have been told, what I've been able to gather, is that it was largely a situation where pretty early on, once he went to Carolina, got on campus, he realized pretty quickly that it was not the right decision. That he made the wrong decision. It's not where he wanted to be. And that kind of, people can tell, right? That kind of bleeds out into just kind of your attitude and, and your vibe there, the coaches, teammates. That's something they can tell. And it's not something that they're going to appreciate and like, right? And I'm sure it led to some other conflicts and some disagreements and some other things went on behind the scenes. But Kirby Smart, a guy that values and protects our culture as much as he does, I don't see any way that we would be recruiting him right now if we weren't confident in his character and that he would be a good fit in our program and would not be a distraction and or a, det- a detractor from our culture and our locker room. So I, I'm going to put my faith in Kirby Smart on this one and that he's done his due diligence and he knows the story behind the scenes. I don't really know the story. All we know is that he was dismissed, but like, what is that... What does that mean and why they were very vague on it? Like Shane Beamer was very vague on it. We talked about it during the season. So again, I'm just going to trust Kirby Smart on that and the culture this guy has built and he's going to try to protect that. I don't think he's going to bring a bad dude, a, a guy that he knows is a bad dude in the program. And I know when a guy got dismissed from a program, he's going to look into that and figure out what's going on behind the scenes. So if he takes him, I trust him on that level. And this is a guy that's going to have four years, guys. I know he was at Carolina this year. He only played four games before he was dismissed, so he got a red shirt. So he's got four more years that this guy can play. Now, will he play for us? Hopefully, he's good enough that he leaves after two. We'll see. But he's a guy that's a little undersized. I mean, he's six. He's got a great frame, 6'5", ish, about 285. He's got the frame to add another 15, 20 pounds. He's going to need to to play at the level we need him to play at. But he's a three-tech guy. Uh, I think he's at the frame to play that. That's that's where he's gonna he's going to play long term. So I think he's got a, a chance to be a big time player on the interior of our defense line. Now I see an instant impact game changer. I don't know because again he didn't play that much this year. I don't know. I like his long term potential. I think he can be that guy. How quickly can we get him to that point? I don't know. Walter Nolan's the top of my list because he is much more of an instant impact game changing type talent at the interior defensive line position, which those guys, those guys are hard to find. They're not, on the, they're not on the market every single year. So that's why he's number one on my list. The other guy that's not on my list, I know a lot of people are after, is LT Overton. And I get it. He's a Georgia guy. He reclassified to be part of that same class at AM that Walter Nolan was a part of. And now that staff moving on or getting fired and new staff coming in with Mike Elko, he is in the portal. He's transferring out. So it makes sense. Yeah, we would get this guy. And I would absolutely take Overton. I would love to have Overton. But he's not on my list because he's a five-tech. 
And I don't think five tech is near as much of a need for us right now, especially if we can keep Michael Williams. I know there's been some rumors that Michael might enter the portal. I haven't heard anything hard on that, but as long as he's still on the roster, he's going to be the number one five tech. And if, if TID stays around, you got two guys at the five tech right now. We don't have as much of a need for LT Overton this year. Really talented guy. Would love to have him, but I just don't think the need is there. So that's why he's not on my list of top five portal targets. Number three, the first offensive player on the list for me is Trevor Etienne, the transfer running back from Florida. We have been heavily rumored to be the leader for him. Now there's other teams involved. I mean, Alabama is, of course, getting involved here. There are other teams that are, that are recruiting this guy because he's a big-time player. He's on my list because this guy is a game changer. You cannot have enough game changers on your roster. You can't. This guy's a difference maker at running back. I know we're going to get Branson Robinson back next year. We'll talk about him a little bit later with one of these questions. I'm extraordinarily high on Branson Robinson. But guys, think about the, what we experienced at running back, not just this year, the past couple of years, all the injuries that we've had at that position. Guys get banged up. You can never have enough guys at running back. And I know that we have three guys coming in this year. I understand that. But it's kind of like the same thing with Carson Beck and Dylan Raiola. If I had to choose between like one year with with Beck versus three years with Raiola, give me Beck because it's a known quantity. Same thing with ETM. He's a known quantity. I know this guy's a difference maker. And he gives us the versatility of the backfield that we lacked this year. We had some good backs when they were healthy, but we didn't have a guy that could give us what Kenny McIntosh gave us in 2022, who had 500 plus yards receiving out of the backfield. That was a huge part of our offense in 2022. And honestly, you know, as good a job as I think Mike Bobo did, I know some of you disagree with how the SEC Championship game went down, but throughout the season, Bobo was fantastic for us. And he did that without having the luxury of that kind of receiving throughout the backfield that Todd Munkin enjoyed in 2022. If we get ETN, all of a sudden that element comes back to our offense and we are even more dangerous. And you have a one-two punch of Branson Robinson and Trevor ETN? Let's freaking go. It's been a minute, guys, since we've had a Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, a Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb, a Todd Gurley, Keith Marshall type one-two punch in the backfield. We haven't had that in a while. We have, we've been good running the football. We haven't been elite in a minute. Uh, you give me ETN and Branson Robinson, that might change real quick. So you match those two guys in the backfield with potentially Carson Beck coming back for another year. Let's freaking go national championship back on the table. Absolutely give me that guy. Then coming in at number four on my list would be wide receiver from Vanderbilt, London Humphreys. Now I know you hear Vanderbilt and you hear London Humphreys and you look at his, you pull up his his recruiting ranking from high school on 247 or on three. You're like, well, this dude was like a, like a lowly rated three-star dude. He went to Vanderbilt. Like, why would you want this guy? Why is he that high on your list or some of these other guys? Just watch him play, man. Go watch his tape, guys. I mean, you saw him a little bit against us when we played Vanderbilt this year. He was the guy, I mean, we mentioned it last week. He caught that touchdown pass and it was a blown coverage, but that dude took it to the house, man. Like, we weren't catching that guy. This guy's got legit home run speed. He's got twitch to his game. He creates separation with his ability to run routes. He's just one of those guys that can get open. I mean, he is a legitimate big-time athlete. I do not care that he was a three-star guy. I don't freaking care, all right? I don't. You know who else was a three-star that trying to be a pretty good freaking player for us? Yeah, a guy named Lad McConkie. I'm not saying that because they're both white guys. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, just like London, Lad was an underrated, in some services, Lad was like a two-star guy. But we saw something in Lad, and he became a big-time player for us. I'm telling you guys, London Humphreys is faster than Lad McConkie. I'm not saying he's gonna be as good as Lad. I'm certainly not saying that. But straight-line speed, London Humphreys is a good bit faster than Lad McConkie. He's got twitch in his game too. So this guy is a legit player. 
absolutely he is on my list of top five guys in the portal for us to land. And he actually was in town this weekend along with Xavier McLeod. I feel really good about our chances. I would say that we are the leader right now. Not a done deal. He'll probably visit some other places. But I feel good about where we sit right now with Lynn Humphreys. And that would be a big time addition for us, regardless of what school he's coming from, regardless of what his high school ranking was. The dude can play. Watch the tape. In fact, guys, I'll throw this out there. He's the first player in Vanderbilt history as a freshman to go for over 100 yards receiving two different times as a true freshman at Vanderbilt with the quarterback situation they had this year, which was a freaking disaster. It's a merry-go-round at quarterback. And for him to do that, that's big time. The guy can play. And then the fifth guy on my list, and there's two other receivers, because I think defensive line and receiver are the two biggest needs for us. Running back is not as big of a need, but if you have a chance to add a guy like ETN, you take him, absolutely. For me, it's Michael Jackson III or Julian Fleming. Julian Fleming is a guy that we recruited pretty heavily out of high school. Obviously, he ends up going to, to Ohio State. I was talking with Curtis about this earlier today, actually, and I know he was going to say Julian Fleming. And I get that. Fleming, coming from Ohio State, it's been around for a while. It's been maybe a little bit more productive than Michael Jackson has been. I like Michael Jackson's skill set. I think Michael Jackson has the ability to be a bigger playmaker. Now, Michael Jackson didn't do as much at USC. He was sing, sitting behind a couple big-time guys at USC. But he is he's a guy that has the ability to be a game-changing type talent as well. I, I don't know if he's like a number one guy. I don't think he is. I don't think Julian Fleming is either. Fleming, here I, I've seen more of Fleming. And what I know of Fleming is that he's a good, solid, big bodied possession receivers. It gives us something we would not have if we took Fleming. I would take him. I would take Fleming, certainly. I'd be okay with if we took him over Jackson or if that's who we got. I'm fine with that. He's, he would be a good, valuable piece for us. He gives us a big body possession type guy that we have on the outside that we don't really have on our team right now. I value that. But he's not a difference maker. He's never been that for Ohio State since he got there. Been a good solid player. Never a difference maker. He really he didn't follow the rotation this year, but he didn't play that much compared to what he's played in years past for them this year. Michael Jackson hasn't played a ton at USC, but go back and watch his tape. I think this guy's got more juice to his game than what Julian Fleming does. So I would take Michael Jackson ever so slightly ahead of Julian Fleming. And also, I do think that we might have more of a realistic chance to get him because he's visited. He's was on campus uh, this weekend. So that's another name to watch that... It's kind of flying under the radar a little bit, but I think he'd be a really nice addition as well. So yeah, Walter Nolan, Xavier McLeod, defensive line, Trevor Etienne, running back, and wide receivers, London Humphreys, and Michael Jackson the third. All right, next question comes from Peter, and I kind of alluded to this. I'm going to run through this one quickly. He asked about ETN. If we take Trevor ETN, does that hurt our chances of keeping Nate Frazier or Chauncey Bowens? If so, is it worth it to take ETN? Great question, and as I was kind of alluding to and talking about earlier, yeah, I, I still take ETN. Because right now we have three guys committed to the running back position in this class. There's a very small chance that all three of those guys will end up being big-time contributors. There's a much stronger chance that at least one of them will transfer out at some point. There's only so many balls to go around, so many carries to, to give guys, right? I understand that Nate Frazier is a big-time guy, and so is Chauncey Mons. I love both of those guys. And I like Dwight Phillips as well. He's a, just a freak athlete, a home run hitter extraordinaire. But again, I go back to what I was saying with Raiola. One more time, I'll say it again. ETN's a known quantity. We know that this guy's a game changer at the college level. In the SEC, we think Nate Frazier will be. We think Bowens will be. But we don't know. We don't know that. So if you're, even if it's only one year with ETN, I understand that's the argument. It's one year, trading one year, or three years for one year. But I know this guy for one year is going to be a stud for us. We think Frazier, we think Bowens, but we don't know. And look, if we lost one of those guys, the fact that we have three of them in the class right now kind of cushions that blow a little bit. So yeah, I still think you take ETN. He's that talent. He's that much of a difference maker. So yeah, I still take him. All right, next up, let's go to a question from Aaron. Aaron asks, it seems like we have gotten through the first week of the portal without losing any impact players. Are we good 
or are there any other players that might enter the portal that will hurt us more? The portal will still open for another three weeks, guys. It closes January 2nd, then it'll reopen again after spring practice, and then there's another window, a smaller window that opens up in May. We are not necessarily out of the woods yet. We talked about this a little bit last week. So far, other than Brock Vandegrift, there haven't been really any guys that you see that hit the portal. You say, oh man, oh my God, we lost this guy. Some guys are like, oh, you know, I like to keep Mikai Muse, but I get it. It's fine. We're okay. But there haven't been those big time contributors, right? Guys that we were thinking were going to be starters for us this year. We might have a guy or two in the next couple of weeks that does hit the portal that kind of fits that bill. Julian Humphrey is certainly the name to watch. There's been a lot of smoke around his name. He's posted some cryptic stuff on social media. Guys are apt to do that sometimes. Sometimes they just like to play the games. But there might be some smoke to this one, some actual smoke to it. And it, that would be a little bit of a blow. I'm not going to sugarcoat that one, guys, because I think Julian Humphrey is in line to start opposite Dalen Everett this season. And I, I told you guys throughout the year, I thought in coverage, Humphrey was a better cover guy than Dalen was this year. Dalen is a more physical guy, which is why I got the start. But when Humphrey got his chances, and that guy, he's a, he's big time out there covering dudes. He's just a little bit smaller and doesn't play the run on the perimeter as well as Dalen Everett does. He's solid. He's just not as good as Everett. He doesn't have as big of a body. But he's a really good football player, and I would love to keep him on the roster. And, I, and we still have a chance. I know our coaches have been meeting with him and trying to keep him here, but he is considering. I'll just tell you guys that straight up. He's considering it. I don't know if he's going to fully into the portal, but that chance is still certainly out there. I hope that we're able to keep him and convince him to stay in Athens. But if he does leave, you know, again, I would love to have him. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it's no loss whatsoever. But we have recruited that position extraordinarily well, as well as anybody in the country in the past couple of years. You still have AJ Harris, five-star guy, last year's class. Our coaches are really high on Daniel Harris, who wasn't as highly rated, but another guy they're really high on at that position. We've got Ellis Robinson the fourth coming in this year, who I think might very well end up being the best player in this class overall. He's number three in the country. I, I mean, man, like watch this guy's tape. You see him out there in big time settings against other highly rated receivers and quarterbacks, elite 11 stuff. This guy, whoo, big time, big time player. So he will have a shot to start as a true freshman. So we're okay, but you would love to have a guy like Julian Humphrey on your roster. There's no doubt about it. Another name to watch that hasn't gotten as much publicity. I just just watch for Marvin Jones Jr. I don't know if he's going to hit the portal, but just watch. Just keep an eye on that one. I'll throw that one out there. I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, let's just let's just say watch that one. Watch that name. All right, guys, let's take one more quick break here to remind you about our great friends at Alumni Hall. The holiday season, guys, it's just around the corner. I was just talking to somebody earlier today. I can't believe it. Like we are now exactly two weeks from Christmas Day. So if you are looking for some last second shopping for all the Georgia fans in your life, Guys, it's a no-brainer. Alumni Hall is your place. They got you covered. Anything and everything a Georgia fan could want, Alumni Hall's got it. They got so many things that other retailers just don't have. I'm just, just trust me on that, guys. That's, there's a reason why I go to Alumni Hall. They have the best customer service. That's a big part of it. But the selection is bar none the best. They have things that I'm telling you, nobody else has. I mean, I can't tell you guys how many times I've gotten complimented on things that I'm wearing, Georgia's, Georgia gear at games or whatever. People are like, hey man, where'd you get that hat? Where'd you get that shirt? I'm like, Alumni Hall. They're like, damn, I haven't seen that. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's only at Alumni Hall. So check it out, guys. Go to alumnihall.com or if you're in the Athens area, check them out in store inside the Edgebridge Shopping Center here in the Classic City because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. All right, guys, just a couple more questions I'm going to run through here real quick. Harris asks, with this season basically done, looking ahead to next year, who will be a breakout player that we all need to know for 2024? That's a great question, Harris. Really like that one. I know, wait, we still have the Orange Bowl. I know that people aren't pumped about that, and I get it. I'm trying myself, man. I'm trying. But yeah, it's, I guess it's fair to go ahead and look ahead to 2024. It's that time of year with not being in the playoff. There's a couple names that come to mind for me. 
the one I'm going to go with, I, I don't know if he classifies as a breakout player. I think he does. The reason I question that is he's a name that people already know, and there are high expectations for him. I know sometimes you think breakout player is a guy that no one knows, kind of coming out out of nowhere, like out of the blue, and, and like jumps out and has a big time year. This guy doesn't fit that bill, but he on the, on the national stage, he'd be a breakout player because he hasn't broken out nationally because he hasn't really had the opportunity. So I'm going to go with running back Branson Robinson. This guy was going to have a monster year for us. I'm just telling you he was going to have a big time year. Our coaches were freaking pumped about this guy before he got hurt in spring practice, and then he suffered another injury in fall camp that kept him out for the entire year. This is going to be a money year for Branson, guys. It's going to be a money year for him. It's just year three. We might only get one actual year of this guy like taking significant snaps for us. But he is going to be a big-time player. He's got the talent. He's got the power. He's got the the twitch. He's got the home run speed. He's got the total package, man. Great vision, like contact balance. He's got it all. It's big-time football player for us. We saw flashes of that in 2022. Unfortunately, we're not going to see any of that this year. But like I said, this is a money year for this guy. I think, you know, running backs, they have a shorter shelf life. So if you're a big-time guy and he has a big year for us this year, which I think if he's healthy, he's going to, he's going to go to the NFL. He's going to get started his NFL career. It's just what you got to do at the running back position. So I think he's going to be highly motivated after not being able to play last year and this being a money year for him. And I think we're going to see an incredibly strong version of Branson Robinson. I think the guy's going to be a difference maker. I think he's going to break out on the national stage this year. And you, again, match him potentially with Trevor Etienne as a one-two punch. Woo, baby, let's freaking go. So he would be my number one choice. Another guy I would go with is Monroe Freeling. Normally, you don't think of offensive linemen as like breakout stars. And this is a guy who was a five-star recruit, but I think he's going to play right tackle right now. If I had to predict, maybe we'll do an episode where we're like predicting the depth chart here in a couple weeks once the transfer report kind of plays itself out. We'll do that. But right now, I'm just going to tell y'all, I'm going to pencil in. Actually, I'm going to write it in pen. Monroe Freeling, right tackle. He got some opportunities to play a little bit when we were dealing with some injuries to other players this year. And I thought he played very well when he got those opportunities. Uh, and as a true freshman going against guys in the SEC, that was impressive. I mean, I was really high on him coming out of high school. He's a good athlete out there. He needed to get a little bit bigger and stronger, which he's done this season. I'm telling you right now, our coaches are extremely high on this guy. So I think he's going to be a, a plug-and-play guy next year at right tackle. And I think he's going to be a really, really good football player for us. And I think he has a chance to be a first-round draft pick when he's all said and done here in Athens. So watch out for him as well. I think he's going to be a big-time player for us next year. All right, next up, David asks, is it time to kill the SEC championship game? Oh, yeah, it's been time, man. Absolutely. I know some years it helps you get in. Sure, I guess, you know, 20, what, 2017, it helped us get in beating Auburn. Sure. But, man, more often than not, it has hurt us. 2018, 2019, this season, obviously. Yes, kill it. Kill it. Because, look, not all conference championship games are created equally. If we would have gotten to play Oklahoma State or Louisville or Iowa in our conference title game, we would be preparing to play in the college playoff right now. The SEC is just different, guys. It just is, all right? It's different. And that game has hurt us more than it has helped us in years past. And if the committee is going to look at all conference championships the exact same way, regardless of who you're playing, and give you credit for winning conference championship, even though you beat Oklahoma State, who lost to South Alabama and lost to UCF 45-3, to and give you credit for beating Iowa, who can't freaking score a point to save their freaking lives, then let's just do away with the game. And whoever has the best record at the end of the regular season in the SEC, let's just crown them champions. Let's do it that way. Because then, you're go- that team is not going to have a loss. That team is in. And we earned that this year through the regular season. You know, I, kn- I know the system is what it is, and it's... God, I still, man, I'm just... Yeah, as you can tell, still very frustrated with it. But look... I- 
it doesn't matter what I think it's going to happen. What I want to happen, it doesn't matter. It's not going away because it's too much of a moneymaker. It's, it's that simple. It's financials. They make too much money off it. One of the reasons they want to get out of the contract with, the, with, the, with CBS, there's multiple reasons. CBS did not give us a pro-rated increase when we added those teams uh, to the conference all those years back with, with Missouri and Texas A&M years ago. And they were basically getting away, paying us like $5 million a year, essentially, for the SEC Championship game, which is one of the biggest properties in all of college football. And we asked them, it's like, hey, you want to like give us a little bump for this? And they were like, nah, we're good. And so when we got the chance, we said, screw you, CBS. We're going elsewhere. And now we're get- a big part of why ESPN was willing to pay us what they paid us was the SEC Championship game. That is a big-time property in college football. So it's not going anywhere. I wish that all conferences would get away from conference championship games. And one of the things I hear from all these people is like, you know, well, Georgia, you had your chance. You know, you, you had your chance to beat Alabama. That was a de facto playoff game. My rebuttal that has always been, why do we have to play a de facto playoff game? We had an undefeated regular season while all these other teams had to play, again, Iowa and Louisville and Oklahoma State. Why are we the one that was number one all year long and we have to play the de facto playoff game against a team that's going to be in the cultural playoff when none of the other teams had to do anything remotely approaching that? If we're going to call it a de facto playoff game, why don't we just actually make it a playoff game? That's all I'm saying. If we're going to look at it as a de facto playoff game, make it a freaking real playoff game. If you're going to play an extra game, make it a real playoff game so the field is level for all those teams in the regular season who went undefeated or went with one loss and had the best record in their conference in the regular season. Make it level for everyone across the board. Make it an actual playoff game. That, But they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. that. That'd be my solution. If it's that you don't want to give up the money that you get from the SEC Championship game, just make it a playoff game and you get just as much, if not maybe even more money if you make it a playoff game. But they won't do that. So here I am just having to live with it. All right, and our final question, we're going to end on this one. You usually like to end on a, a good note, a fun note. We're going to do the opposite today. I've tried to stay away from the sulking and the brooding, which I know I did a lot of last week after the loss to Alabama in the SEC title game. I still feel those things, guys. I'm trying to put on a brave face for y'all. I don't know because I know that's not good podcast. You don't want to hear that. I understand that. So I've been trying to limit that as much as I could today, but... We did get a question, and uh, this is from Nick. I missed this question last week. Nick, I apologize, man. I just missed this one. But Nick asked, we just won 29th Street and two national titles. Why does this hurt so much? Fantastic question, Nick. Fantastic question. I've been asking myself this. I know. Like, I, I know how entitled and spoiled I sound when I tell you how devastated I am over losing the SEC title game and not being in the college playoff. Like, I know what that sounds like. I know how spoiled that is. I get it. And like, it, it shouldn't hurt. Like, we sh- I should be grateful. I shouldn't be depressed. I should be grateful for the experience. And I am. Like, I'll be able to look back, you know, you know, give me some time. I'll be able to look back and say, man, 29 straight, two national titles, three consecutive undefeated regular seasons. Man, like, we're doing things that nobody's done before. 29 straight games in the SEC. Three straight undefeated regular seasons. It's crazy stuff. But yet here I am, like just still devastated. I'm gutted. And I've and I've been trying to do some introspection. You're like, why, man? Why are you feeling this way? Why aren't you more grateful and for the experience? And here's what it is for me, guys. I don't know. Everyone's different, right? So I don't know what you guys are feeling and what your mind's going through right now. But I think the thing I, I'm having the most trouble with, the, the reason I'm having the hardest time getting over this is I still feel like we are the best team in the country. I still believe that. Now, maybe it's me looking through my red and black colored lenses, maybe. But I think a healthy Georgia team, which is what we would have been by and large by the time we got to play in the playoff, give me, give us a, a month to recover, with everybody back and been healthy, I think we're the best team in the country. I still believe that. I think if we played Alabama again, we'd beat them. And I know that's, you know, it's not going to happen. But 
we played a very poor game. That was on us. We did not play, like, we played as poor of a game as I've seen us play in a long time in a big setting, and I didn't see that coming. But I still think we're better than Alabama, and I know we didn't beat them on the field. That day, they were better than us. But seven-game series, like you're doing basketball, I think we win that series. But it's not how college football works. So that's what's hardest for me. It's I'm, I'm having a hard time with, well, it's a couple of things. It's, they're related. It's interrelated things. I still think that we're the best team in the country, or certainly one of the two best teams in the country. I firmly believe we're better than Washington, and the idea that Washington is in the cultural playoff is crazy. I know they are, quote-unquote, most deserving because they went undefeated. Sure, okay, but does anyone think they're better than us? No one in America thinks they are. It's, you know, I think we're better than Texas, right? I honestly, I think that, I mean, I guess you know, they beat Alabama at Alabama, but that's a different Bama team. Is Texas more deserving than us? I mean, they lost to Oklahoma. I don't know. I, I think that we're better than Texas. And I think that you can make an argument that we are actually more deserving than Texas. I know they won the Big 12, but again, <clears throat> Oklahoma State, yeah, um, tough game that they had to play. So I'm just, I'm so, I'm just so over this guy. Like, I'm just so frustrated, man. Like the college ball play, here's the other part. So I think we're the best in the country and you hear them, the college football playoff committee say over and over again, it's about to be the four best teams, the four best teams, the four best teams. And they had them like four days or like what, five days before we play the SEC title game on Tuesday. The executive director of the committee, Bill Hancock, it's, as I've said several times, I know, sitting there saying, most deserving doesn't matter. We don't think about that. We think about the four best teams. And you're telling me the team that you thought was the best team in the country coming into championship Saturday, we lost a three-point game to the team you think is the fourth best team in the country right now, according to your rankings, and there's an egregiously missed call, whatever, but still, even if, even if without the call, three-point loss, and that's enough to convince you that Texas, who was six points or six spots behind us in the rankings, is now better than us because they beat the crap out of a bad, of an okay Oklahoma State team, and we lost by three points in the SEC title game to a really good Alabama team. Now that means Texas is better than us? That means Washington is better than us? It's the combination of feeling like we're still the best team in the country and feeling that if we got in the playoff, we would win it, mixed with the fraudulent nature of the process of selecting these teams for the college football playoff. That combination is just destroying me right now. I I have no appetite for college football right now. Guys, Like I, I normally love bowl season. I even like the games that no one watches. I eat that stuff up. Right now, it starts on Saturday. I have no interest. Like I and I as of right now, there's still no way I can watch the cultural playoff games. Like even when I see like advertisements for it, I have to change the channel. I can't even think about it. When I see it on social media and I see like the graphics, I I I can't, man. Like it does something to me because I think we're the best team and I think that we should be in. And I think us being left out is a freaking joke. I used the word last week. I'll use it again. I'm disgusted. I'm still disgusted with how this all played out. I am. So that's why it hurts for me. I don't know about everyone else, but that's why, even though we've had this great run, that's why it still hurts for me because I think we had a legitimate shot for a three-peat, and I think that we should have the chance to play for it. We were not given that opportunity because the committee is a freaking joke and they're frauds, and the entire process is incredibly flawed. And yeah, so that's why I am still going through it right now. So that's me. I don't know about you guys, but you asked me the question, and that's how I'm feeling about the whole situation still today over a week after it all went down. But all right, guys, on that super cheerful note, I got to get out of here. So I appreciate you as always being here with me today. I'm sorry we couldn't get Curtis on today. We'll try to get him on maybe uh, later in the week if some more stuff goes down with Riola, we'll see. But Charlie will definitely be back with me for part one of our bowl picks. We'll definitely have those for you guys at the end of this week. We'll have part two 
uh, after Christmas, so that'll be coming up. We have those beer games coming up after Christmas, so we'll do that as well. So a lot of great stuff coming up for you guys. Of course, we'll have the Riola stuff covered for you guys. If there's any breaking news, we'll be on here again. We'll fire it up, and we'll have an emergency pod for you. So keep watching that, guys, and we'll, uh, we'll of course, see how that plays out. But thanks for being here. I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs. <laughs>